0: I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 12, The Hearts of the Children Shall Be Turned to Their Fathers, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Section 2, and Joseph Smith History, Chapter 1, Verses 27-65. through Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. So, you know, I record these ahead of time. So today is actually December 15th. I'm actually going to go in get induced and have this baby tonight or probably tomorrow morning. Um, so that's exciting, but when you listen to this, it will be January, 2021. Um, hopefully it's all rainbows and butterflies because 2020 was a rough one. Although I have a feeling probably not. That's okay. Um, so we're looking at lots of stuff this time. We're jumping around in lots of places. I'm doing this at bedtime, not at nap time. So my kids are not actually asleep. So you will hear them. Congratulations. You get to hear all the bonkings and bangings of Julia and Ginny. Okay. So let's get going. Talking about the nature of God and Christ. Um, I want to look at Joseph Smith history, chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. And um, I love how frank Joseph Smith is with us and lets us know that he's not a perfect person. He has definitely made some mistakes. Um, but I also love how this shows the forgiving nature of Heavenly Father in Christ and that they really understand our hearts and our intentions and how. He just kind of fell in with the wrong crowd, and um, it was a lot to do with him refusing to deny his vision of Heavenly Father and Christ, and he became kind of an outcast. Um, And I just love that even though he didn't feel like he was making good choices, clearly he wasn't making as terrible choices as he thinks he was because he still was given a vision right, um, come follow me asks, Why might the Lord repeat important messages several times? Right, so in Joseph Smith history, uh, so chapter 1, verses 33 through 49, we have the Moroni visions, right, where Moroni comes and talks to Joseph Smith. This is the same Moroni that we ended the Book of Mormon with, same Moroni that is in charge of the plates. Um, and he comes and he talks to Joseph Smith four different times, three times during the night. And then when Joseph Smith wakes up, um, he's trying to work with his dad. His dad can see he is clearly exhausted, sends him back to the house on his way back to the house, passes out. And then Moroni comes a fourth time. Okay. So one thing I wanted to point out that I've always loved about this part is the three times Moroni comes in the night he teaches line upon line, precept upon precept, and he teaches the same thing over and over again, right? Um, Joseph Smith even says he repeats the same message that he just gave me, like verbatim, no changes, and then adds, right? So um, he says the message the first time and then leaves. And he comes back the second time, repeats the message exactly, and then adds the part about great judgments coming and then leaves. And then he comes back and repeats, the, for the third time, repeats the whole thing he said the last time. And adds the caution about Satan um, wanting to tempt and going to tempt Joseph Smith. And I love this. Um, oh, and then the fourth time, again, he repeats all that stuff and then adds on the commandment to for Joseph to go tell his dad about all of this. Um, and I love this because I think... Um, we see heavenly father and Christ and we see what teaching should look like, right? Um, and I think a lot of the times we tend to, at least I tend to get frustrated with my children because I feel like all I do is say the same thing all day long and they still don't get it. And then I think about how Heavenly Father teaches us and how Heavenly Father teaches me specifically and like how many times have I read the Book of Mormon and I'm learning new things from it every single time. How many times do we hear a talk about charity or a talk about service or a talk about faith and things that we feel like, oh my gosh, I know this but we still learn something new every time because our brains have a finite capacity. (laughs) At least mine does. Um, And we can only absorb so much at one time. And so heavenly father knows he's going to have to repeat the message to us several times for us to really absorb all of the goodness that it is because we just can't get it all on the first try. And I've been thinking about this a lot in my parenting about how I need to be a little more patient (laughs) when I am teaching my children because they're two and four and six, um, and soon to be, you know, a couple hours. (laughs) Um, but, um, they're just tiny and they're not, their little brains are only going to absorb so much of what I tell them. And so I'm going to have to repeat my messages. I'm going to have to teach them things over and over and over again until they absorb the fullness of the message. And they do learn line upon line, right? You repeat it and you can add a little bit. Um, the one thing, the other thing I wanted to say, just add in this is I think if we look at the prophets, um, look at how many times one particular revelation has been given to multiple prophets and then we get it through the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. And over and over again, we're getting the same things. Um, think about the prophets, our prophets, through our dispensation, talking about things like food storage and um, self, um, what's the word? Preparation, the self-reliance. I was like, I know there's a word for it. Guys, I still have cat brain. Um, Okay, so I wanted to just kind of note that, that Heavenly Father in Christ, the nature of the way that they teach, you look at the way that we teach seminary, the way that we teach um, primary, all of it, all of it is based on repetition of learning things that we're like, oh my gosh, I already know this, except for no, we don't because our brains can only absorb so much in one time. So we have to hear it over and over again. And if we're learning, right, if we're active about our learning, um, we're going to learn something new every time. Uh, Okay. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is how God and Christ use the humble um, to further the work of the gospel. We see this in Joseph Smith history in um, verses 64 and 65. We know that Joseph Smith um, was not by any, he was a farm boy, right? He was not by any stretch. Of the imagination, a scholar. Um, he did not have, he didn't go to college and study Egyptian, um, or hieroglyphs or translating ancient languages or any of that kind of stuff. Um, he was a farm boy and he, through revelation, through the power of heavenly father, through the power of the Holy ghost, he was able to translate the book of Mormon. Um, and in those verses, that is when Martin Harris takes he takes a copy of some of the characters and then a copy of Joseph Smith's translation of these characters to this professor, and um, the professor basically validates them, asks, and gives him a certificate saying this is real, um, and then asks Martin Harris where um, where these were found. Martin Harris says an angel led him to a, led Joseph Smith to them. And then the guy asks for his certificate back and tears it up and is like, that's fake. (laughs) Like, okay. And so this guy has like, this guy, right? Professor, um, Anthon should theoretically be the one to be like, wow, this is amazing. He has proof that God speaks to prophets, um, because he verified the stuff before he knew where it came from um verified that it was the most true or most what does he say it was the most um most 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 it was the mo it was more it was to, it was correct more so than any before any he had okay than any he had before seen translated from egyptian so it was the most correct translation from Egyptian into English he had ever seen. Um, And so you would think having seen that and then being told, oh, he was given this power by an angel or, you know, he found this by an angel that he'd be like, well, that's proof because this is the most correct thing I've ever seen. This is evidence. But instead he dismisses the whole thing because his scholarly brain is like, no, that's fake. Right. Um, And so I love that heavenly father and Christ use the humble, to further the work. Um and I just love so Isaiah talks about this too. Um in Isaiah 29 verses 11, 14 and 18. Um the one that I want to look at specifically is um where he talks about um he talks about this this thing happening, right? Where Professor Anthon go, um, tells Martin Harris to bring him the plates and he'll translate them. And then Martin Harris is like, they're, they're sealed. And he's like, well, I can't read a sealed book. And then in Isaiah 29 um, verse 11, it says, and the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, right? Professor Anton saying, read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot for it is sealed. Right. And so that's a little, that's a, um, a revelation, a prophecy coming, coming to pass. Um, but the part I love is in 14, it says for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Um, and then in 18, in that day, Shall the deaf hear the words of a book and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. This idea that the people that we think won't be the one, the the people that we think are going to be the ones doing all of this aren't. And the ones that we think that aren't going to be doing all of this are, right? Um, Joel chapter two verses 28 and 29 specifically um, denotes the same thing. Um, I love the, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. My husband and I were reading through these. Um, and he goes, so at what point do, does a young man become an old man and your visions turn into dreams? Like, is there like a number for that? Is it like 49, you know, and then once you hit 50, now you're an old man and you get to dream dreams. Or is it 60? Like, I don't know. <laughs> 80? I mean, who knows? <laughs> anyway. Um, but the other part I love is 29. It says, also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, will I pour out my spirit? And it got me thinking, this is 2020. We don't really have servants and handmaids the way that we used to. It doesn't look the same. Like I'm sure psychologically or whatever, there's something that would be like, oh, well it's these people and these people, but I don't know what that is. And I, it makes me wonder what it is. Who are these people? Like I think about, um, you know, like Downton Abbey, we can see who the handmaids and the servants are, or, um, I'm reading Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen right now. And you can see the classism, right? And it doesn't look the same now in 2020 as it did then. It's not as easily identifiable to me. Um, And so it makes me wonder who, who are the handmaids, who are the servants um, that are going to receive his spirit? I'm okay with being a handmaid if it means I get to receive Heavenly Father's spirit. I'm cool with it. All right. And then I wanted to read this quotation. There are let's see. Um, there are four different talks that I'm looking at here and I'll just kind of introduce them as we go. In Elder Bednar, an Elder Bednar's talk, um, let this house be built unto my name. This is from April, 2020 general conference. He actually quotes president Ezra Taft Benson. And this is what he says. And I just love this. The Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of people. And then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. And I love this idea that true change, real change lasting change comes from the inside out. You can you can pygmalion somebody. You can change their hair and their clothes and the way that they speak, but unless you can change their heart, which of course you can't cuz you're a human being, I'm a human being. Christ is the only one who can change people's hearts. Um unless that change comes from the heart, it's not going to last, right? That's why we have people who are poor and then win the lottery, and then a couple years later are right back where they started because there was no inner change, there was an outer change right to their environment to their financial situation, but because there was no inner change, they ended up right back where they started. Um, anyway, so love that. Okay, let's look at the plan of salvation. Um, the one thing I really got from these. Um, chapters and the, all the material from this lesson was there aren't really surprises in how the plan of salvation works. I mean, there's surprises in my personal life, right? I don't know what's going to happen every second, but in terms of what the plan is and how it's supposed to work, there's not really surprises. Um, even things like, so in the come follow me, it says Joseph was told of prophecies that would be fulfilled. Right. And then we have, Um, President Eyring introduces in uh, Hearts Bound Together, which is from the April 2005 General Conference. Um, He talks about Elijah, and I just wanted to read this just to kind of introduce who Elijah is. Um, Elijah was a great prophet with great power given to him by God. He held the greatest power God gives to his children. He held the power, the sealing power, to bind on earth and have it bound in heaven. And then this concept of Elijah coming to earth or coming and restoring these keys we find it in malachi um chapter four verses five and six we find it in so that's old testament we find it in galatians um chapter three verses 14 through 17 in the new testament um, we find it in the book of mormon third nephi um chapter 25 verses five and six we obviously get it in the Joseph Smith his, history, um, verse, chapter one, verses 37 through 39. And then in Doctrine and Covenants, chap. the entire section two, I'm going <laughs> to, I know, I know. Doctrine and Covenants, they're sections, not chapters. I'm going to use it interchangeably because my brain is made of cats, but I mean section when I say chapter in Doctrine and Covenants. Just know that. So Doctrine and Covenants section two, and then also section 27, verse nine. Right. All of these again, and we're back to this concept of repetition, right? Um, We, we're told this is what's going to happen. And then that thing happens. Okay. Um, So the adversary, this is the other thing I wanted to talk about here. The adversary will take every advantage and opportunity to distract us and dissuade us from God's plan for us. Um, we have to, the way agency works is we have to make an active choice to follow Heavenly Father. You cannot, the way that the world, the way that humans are, the way that the adversary works, we can't just default to picking Heavenly Father and we can't just default to And just unconsciously make the unconsciously choose um, to follow Heavenly Father's plan. We have to actively choose that. Um, And then, let's see here. I'm going to go a little over time today, you guys. Usually I try to keep it under 20 minutes, but I can tell you right now, we're not going to make it. That's okay. In Come Follow Me, it says, when we take the path, when we take part in God's work... We can expect to face opposition and even persecution just as the prophet did, but we can also have faith that the Lord will make us instruments in his hands, just as he did for Joseph. Um, And so I think a lot of the times just being aware that following the path is going to, I think sometimes people get confused and think that for some reason, Being obedient and following the gospel, following the commandments means that life will be easier and somehow we will be under this like magical shield of protection from all the woes of the world. And that's not how it works. Um, The adversary, if anything, is going to come at you harder the more that you're trying because he can see that you're becoming an instrument in God's hands and he doesn't want that. He doesn't want, he wants the least amount of instruments in God's hands as possible, right? His job is to tear us all down with him because he's miserable and misery loves some company. Okay. Um, In Becoming True Millennials, which by the way, I think everybody, this was given as a talk um, in January 2016 at BYU Hawaii um, by, at the time, not President Nelson, but he's President Nelson now. Um he was not the prophet at the time, it was still um President Monson. But everybody should read this, okay? Go on to churchofjesuschrist.org. Actually, if you still type in lds.org, it still pops you to the right place. Um I can never remember what it is. And so I always just write in lds.org. But anyway, um everybody needs to read this. It's so good and it just put some pep in my step. I needed I needed all the words from this. President Nelson, Becoming True Millennials. And I'm going to read this. He says, You will have days when you will be thoroughly discouraged. So pray for the courage to not give up. You will need that strength because it will become less and less popular to be a Latter-day Saint. Sadly, some who you thought were your friends will betray you. And some things will simply seem unfair. And I think when we're aware of this, when we're aware that um, adversity kind of like, it's part of the package deal. Then when we're faced with that adversity, we're not like, Oh my gosh, the church must not be true. Right? Like we're like, Nope, I knew this was coming. I knew that this was going to be, I knew it was going to be hard. Um, it's not a surprise. And I think that anytime that happens, we're anytime we can be prepared for it, it's, it's going to be easier for us to handle it. Not necessarily easy like easier to do it, but mentally it won't be as much of a challenge for me. That's how it works for me. Um, and then also if you take a look at the Joseph Smith history versus 28 and 29 and 40 and then, or yeah, versus 28 and 29 and then also 46, we see the adversary working in, um, in Joseph Smith's life. So application, we're going to go quick because we're already over time. Be attentive. This is the biggest thing, okay? Be attentive. When you're in church, when you're listening to general conference, when if we ever actually get to go back <laughs> and have relief society or priesthood or um, Sunday school, be attentive. Don't tune out when you recognize a message because you've heard it before or because, oh, we're talking about that thing again, okay? Um, I remember my dad saying that on his mission, He would teach people about the plan of salvation, teach people about this idea that families can be forever. And he goes, and there was always this like, yeah, yeah, that seems right kind of look. Like, like I recognize this information, even though this is the first time they're ever being told this. And I want to read this quote from Becoming True Millennials. Um, where president Nelson says you were taught in the spirit world to prepare you for anything and everything you would encounter during the, this latter part of these latter days, that teaching endures within you. And so it's finding that. And so sometimes we'll hear messages that we recognize, even though we may be hearing it for the first time or it's sitting in a different way for the first time. And so that's why I'm saying. Be attentive. Don't tune it out. Pay attention. See if there's something new you can learn. Um, and then the last thing that they really talked about in all of this, right, the whole power of Elijah, power to seal on earth and make that, that sealing last in heaven comes down to family history work. And I know with 2020, all of the temples were closed because of COVID. Um, hopefully in 2021, we're opening stuff up. We've in December right now. Um, we have, it's been announced that select temples and select areas will begin to open with appointment to do, um, to do work for the dead. Um, so you, you, we're getting there. We're going to get closer. We're going to eventually the temples will open again until then, until the temple in your area is opened. You can still do family history. You can still do the research. You can still um, look up names and find names and um, read, read, um, family history and temple work, sealing and healing by Dale G. Renlund from April, 2018 and hearts bound together by Henry B. Iron from April, 2005. Um, it makes me want to, like, jump in and do history work right now. Like, family history work. But I'm getting ready to have a baby. So I won't do it, like, right this second. But, you know, soon. Um, I wanted to read one final, um, one final quotation from um, President Nelson's Becoming True Millennials. He says... Because you are covenant-keeping sons and daughters of God, living in the latter parts of these latter days, the Lord will ask you to do difficult things you can count on it. Abrahamic tests did not stop with Abraham. And he goes on to say, You will be asked to accept challenging assignments and become an instrument in the Lord's hands. This is my favorite part. And he will enable you to accomplish the impossible. And I just love that. Um, I think sometimes we um, we get caught up in our own heads and think that we can't possibly do things. And the reality is maybe alone we can't accomplish those things. But with the power of heaven on our side, um, we can absolutely accomplish anything. Absolutely anything Heavenly Father is asking us to do, right? It's Nephi. I will go and do, for I know the Lord command us man to do no thing without preparing away. Um, I butchered that a little bit, but like I said, cat brain, um, the last thing, um, president Nelson says that I want to add is expect and prepare to accomplish the impossible. So that is your application for today. I'm going to go have a baby and I will see you next week.